Jesus, took him as my Savior, cast my thoughts with the chosen ones and started out for heaven. But soon I was forsaken, my friends left one by one, but the good Lord walked beside me and never left me alone. He fed me when I was hungry, he cheered me when I was sad, and he has been the dearest friend this child has ever had. Oh, he Polycarp, a martyr for the gospel's sake. They built a fire around his feet and tied him to a stake. But the fire could not consume him, so they pierced him with a sword. His blood ran down, put out the fire, but still he praised the Lord. Now all these years have served him. He's done me nothing but good. Well, I won't repent and I won't recant. Just tell me why I should. Oh, he ain't never done me nothing. Done me nothing but good. Nothing but He doesn't do anybody nothing but good. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we want to continue to talk tonight about multi-generational church. Amen. I mean, know that without the multi-generations coming together, there will be no church. That's the reason why there has to be a joining together of the generations. Some like old church where that they don't change nothing. And there is no crying of babies. There is no another generation rising up. And uh, that church will die. Amen. And other churches want to be so cutting edge that they, uh, you know, just cut every, all the anointing out. Don't want no move of God. And they want to be relevant, so to speak. And yet they are so relevant and so cutting edge. They cut out the anointing and lives can't be changed. Amen. And so there must be a merging of the generations. There must be a balance in the the kingdom of God whereby that we can be relevant to our generation without losing the anointing and the impact that will change people's lives for real. Because we don't have the power nor the ability to change people on our own. But when the anointing comes, it destroys yokes and removes burdens. Amen? Praise God. And so that's what we long for. That's what we desire. And uh, we have been called uh, to, uh, the church has been called, the kingdom of God has been called in the earth and been given a mandate by God to transform nations. God gave us a promise in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and that's where I want to start tonight. In Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 13, it says there, 
and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. Notice with me there is a responsibility on our part. Amen. A lot of times people want to take the blessing out of the scripture, but don't want to take the responsibility with it. But we have to obey. And he said, if we obey then he and observe this, he said, well, he's going to bless us and we'll never be the tail. We'll always be the head. We'll never be beneath, but always be above. Right. And so the church is to lead, not to follow. And where this region goes depends upon the church. Amen. Where we are, uh, we are a part of the body of Christ and we've been given this mandate and a lot of what goes on in the world, where we are in the world is either a, a response to where the church is. If the church is in its rightful place, then the world will have to line up. And so a lot of times we want to blame uh, the government, which we, there's a lot of blame to go around. But the reality is that, that we have no right pointing fingers until the church takes it pla its place, like we said on Sunday morning, of authority, of that spirit of Moses, right? That goes and sets on the mountain in the top of, on that rock and says, I'm not coming off of this rock for anything. I'm going to stay right here on Christ. Amen. And and whenever we establish that in our lives, it is then that we can have that authority of God, the blessing of God. And he said, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. I'm going to cause you to always go over and never be under. And God wants us to, uh, to understand tonight that we have a mandate that we re disciple people that we disciple cities, that we disciple states, and we disciple nations. It isn't just a small thing. A lot of times we pray for God to send revival to the church, but we need more than a move of God in the church. It always begins at the house of God, but there must be a flow that goes out from this place that impacts our region, our state, our nation, and the world. Amen? Praise God. And so we say amen, but do we really believe it? Or do we just just go along for the ride? Or do we just say, well, you know what? We don't have any control over what goes on in the region. We don't have any control over what happens in, in this place. But I'm telling you tonight, we have control over what is going on. Because God has given us a power and authority, not just in the natural realm, but in the spirit realm. Where that we can begin to declare and speak the things of God. And as we do that from a place of authority, we're going to see the kingdom of God come and the will of God be established. God didn't give this mandate to the government. He didn't give this mandate to schools. He didn't give this mandate to Hollywood. He gave this mandate to the church that we are to be established in the earth to a place that we take authority and dominion over everything that is in this world. Can you say amen? Amen. There is a generation that goes, uh, that, uh, that is depending upon us tonight. There are people that are looking to us. They're looking to us for life. They're looking to us for direction. 
Amen. And where this region goes depends upon us. Nineveh was so wicked. It was a wicked place. Amen. It was sinful. It was wicked. And as a response, God rose up a Jonah, right? To go to that place and speak to that place that change could come. And God is linking generations together in this last day so that a move of God, so that a revival can come into uh, not only America, but into the nations of the earth. Amen. And it, it is a move of God that will be greater than Pentecost. It's a move of God greater than things that have taken place. We are thankful for Pentecost. We are thankful for the moves of God in other days. But how many know that God supersedes himself? Every time that he does a thing, he reveals himself greater. He doesn't diminish, but he increases in power. He reveals himself in glory. And we need a greater manifestation of God's power today than what they did at Pentecost. Amen. Come on, somebody. This world is wicked and we need a manifestation of God's power and his anointing to rise up. And that's the reason I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I thank God for Pentecost, but I'm excited that I'm alive today to be a part of this last day move of God in this earth. Praise God. I want to look at a few people tonight. Esther. The book of Esther is not only about Esther. It is also about Mordecai. It starts with Mordecai and it ends with Mordecai being exalted. The picture we see here of Mordecai is a fathering, to be fathering Esther, to save a nation. It's not Mordecai only and it's not Esther only. But it is Mordecai and Esther connecting in alignment that they are able to save a nation. Amen. If there ever was a time when generations need to come together to save a nation, it's in America now. It is in this time in which we live, there is a generation that is about to take leadership today in our nation that have lost their moral compass. They have lost their, they have no spiritual perception or understanding of what is going on. And we desperately need a move of God for a generation to reach back into this generation and put their hands upon them and speak life into them that they may may be able to receive that moral compass again because if you think things are bad now amen if, if you haven't I know that you've noticed but if you haven't noticed you, we, we we sometimes in the church put on these you know these CNI glasses that makes us think that we are a certain way but the reality is that we are in a society now that is post Christianity in America. We, we are see, we've seen that by what is going on in our society. But I'm telling you that I haven't given up on America. As I told you on Sunday, I believe that God is going to pour out his spirit in this last day upon our land. But we've got to have generations that will knit their self together and come to an understanding that we need the move of God. Just like Esther was called for such a time as this, God is raising up a generation. Amen. And they've just got to get some direction. 
They just need somebody that will be a spiritual father to them and understand their purpose in life. Amen. Do you understand when Moses didn't understand why this anointing was on him to have a militant spirit? He would go out and he would kill people. Amen. You remember when he killed that Egyptian, right? Because there was an anointing on him for war. And when he didn't understand why this anointing for a militant spirit was on him for war, he went out and he killed an Egyptian. You know why that this generation is killing one another in the school? They're shooting one another in the street. They've got an anointing on them. It's a militant spirit, but it is because God has placed it on them, but they don't know what it's for. They don't understand that it's not to kill one another, but they are right. This is a generation that has uh, the enemy is raging the powers of hell are against them and they can't have just a mamby pamby a sissy spirit but they've got to have a militant spirit on them that said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds amen understand that this anointing is upon them to destroy yokes remove burdens and say we're not just going to compromise we're not going to settle but we're going to say kingdom of God come will of God be done in the earth as it is in the heavens. Hallelujah. Oh, come on and praise him tonight. God always raises up a people in, in, in timely fashion. He does everything in eternity and brings it to pass in time. And so tonight, he, it is no accident that we are where we are at this time in this season. But we must understand and be as the sons of Ishkar and understand the times and the seasons that we are now in. Amen. We have talked about Elijah and Elisha. And the mantle is when it's properly transferred from one generation to the other, there is an anointing that doubles. Without gaps, without there being any hindrance or delay, when it is transferred from generation to generation, it doubles. Amen. And But there has to be connectivity. When there is connectivity, there is power. And where there is connectivity, there is a double anointing that will be released. If Gehazi would have taken on the mantle, I submit to you it would have doubled again. Amen. Because with every generation, it demands a greater anointing. Come on. Amen. And so if Gehazi would have accepted that mantle, amen, there would have been another doubling of the anointing. But Elijah had to, Elisha had to stay connected to the previous generation to receive that anointing. It's God's plan for each generation to double. It is God's plan that when generations do properly align themselves with the previous generation, that there will be an unhindered or unlimited flow that will go from one generation to the other and they will find themselves not only with the anointing or the gifts that they have, but they will find themselves with a transfer from another generation. Amen. Amen. But when generations do not properly align themselves, are you hearing me? When they do not properly align themselves, for transfer, the entire kingdom suffers. The entire kingdom suffers. 
Because you see, whenever we don't properly align ourselves, both generations suffer because the generation that has worked and labored and toiled, right? The one that is sown in tears and the one that is labored all day long does not see the reward. They do not see the harvest. Amen. And as a result, the younger generation also suffers because they should have started up here. But because there has not been a proper transfer, they start at a, at a, a lower level. They start at a lower place. Whenever they should be starting up here, they're starting at a deficit instead of a plus. Are you with me? And so both, both generations suffers and it takes them time to get back up to the place that the previous generation has been. But if there is an alignment generation to generation, there is without stopping, there is a transfer of the baton. There is a transfer of the anointing that will continue to increase and will continue to run from generation to generation. And God is wanting his church to understand this. This is the reason there's such a war against generations. This is the reason there's a battle from generation to generation not to agree. Well, I don't think like that. I don't like that. I I can't get with that. Well, it really isn't about you. It really isn't about me. It really isn't about this generation generation of that generation. It is a spiritual battle that is going on to try to stop the generational flow from coming so that we cannot run on with the purpose and the plan that God has ordained for our lives. But we've got to rise up. It's time for us to come to maturity. It's time for us to come into a place where that we understand that it's not about these things of little isms and schisms, but it's time for us to come into a place that we put all of our different aside and we say that the kingdom of God is the reason that I'm here and I'm going to do what I must do that the kingdom will be advanced. Amen. Because what the generation that is fading worked for should be given freely to the generation that is coming. The next generation had to, has to spend all of their time trying to make up the time that has been lost. So the generation that is fading doesn't get to see the benefits of their reward. Neither does the next generation get to start at a plus, but must start at a deficit. God's end time plan is for us to take cities and nations. We can't, we, we can't think that way a lot of times when people will look at your cross side because we have been... Th- Uh, been taught to have a small mentality where that we think that if we get, you know, a few people saved or if we get a house full of people that we have done something marvelous. But let me ask you something. If Muslims can have nations, if Mormons, what do you think of when you think of Utah? Amen. Salt Lake City. What do you, you know, there are nations that when you talk about nations, they say that is a Muslim nation. If they can do that with a false God, if they can do that built on lies, come on somebody, how much more should we be able to take cities, states, nations, and the world 
with a true and a living God that has given us power and dominion over all the powers of the enemy. Amen. Our, our concept is small. We, we've got this concept of hold the fort till he comes. But he says, I want you to tear down. I want you to destroy every yoke. I want you to take kingdoms back. The Bible said the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Amen. He wants us to get big minded like he is. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He's not a little thinker when he thought. He said, I've created the universe. Amen. For your pleasure. I want you to know that God is a great big God. He's looking for a generation to rise up and say, our God is an awesome God. And we take dominion and authority and walk in that anointing that he has for us. Oh, come on and praise him. That will never happen as long as generations stay at war and stay disconnected from one another. We have Moses and Joshua. Moses takes the rod of God. We talked about this on Sunday. He takes the rod of God, which is the authority of God. Amen. And as long as the authority is in place and remains in the posture of victory, right? Everyone is winning. John Wesley said, Joshua's safety was more in the hands of Moses than it was his own. Israel's victory wasn't dependent upon, on, was dependent upon Moses being in proper alignment with Joshua so that they could have the victory for all of Israel. Amen. The older generation, the younger generation, had to be connected, had to be in alignment so that all of Israel could be one. Amen. When that connection is broken, it didn't matter how skilled Joshua was with the sword. Whenever he, when he was there, and even though he was skilled and even though he had people with him, it didn't matter how many was for him. It didn't say this amount of people and, and they won the battle. It, it said it was directly related to the posture of authority on top of the mountain. Amen. I tell you tonight that we have to understand kingdom authority. You say, well, I, you know, I know some, a lot of folk don't like that. I know they want to rebel and I know they, they anti-authority. But I'm telling you tonight, the kingdom of God is established on authority. And when we understand that kingdom authority and that kingdom authority is setting up on the hill on the rock, which is Christ Jesus in his hands are raised. That is the posture of victory. Hallelujah. And under that banner of victory, it doesn't matter how skilled you are. It doesn't matter if you have been at war for 40 years or you just started last Sunday. Whenever you're standing under that banner of victory and standing where there's authority that is over you and covering you, I'm here tonight to tell you, you can walk in victory, baby. Hallelujah. You can walk in victory. And so Joshua was, it didn't matter if he was skilled with the sword. That did not, was not what depended on his winning or losing. Because the rod of God, the authority, when his hands were up, I'm telling you tonight, the, the authority is in the older generation. Amen. The authority is in the hands of the older generation. And the strength was in the hands of the younger generation. 
And we need each other. I said we need each other. Watch this. What good does it do to have the authority to do a thing if you don't have the strength to enforce it? And what good does it do to have the strength to do a thing if you don't have the authority to enforce it? But when you bring the two together, the strength and the authority are connected together. Now you can go into battle together and you can win the victory every single time. Amen. But there's an independent spirit that keeps creeping in and tries to stop the flow from generation to generation. When Israel started losing, they didn't send help to Joshua. They didn't say we need some more soldiers to go down there and fight in the valley. They said, we need to send some help to Joshua. He's tired. He's got the authority to do this thing. But he's weary and he needs some strength. He needs some strong men. He needs another generation to go and connect theirself with him. And so when they, that younger generation, Aaron and her, got on either side of him and began to hold up authority, that was when the battle was won. Moses' generation can't be without position. It cannot be without, it cannot be disconnected. It cannot grow weary. We must have spiritual fathers and mothers in the body of Christ. It has been prophesied that in this move of God, in these last days, that we, this generation, it's been prophesied, this generation will see in the kingdom of God one billion souls come into the kingdom. One billion souls. If you break that down, that requires 10 million new pastors of a hundred. 10 million new pastors of 100 people. It takes a hundred million life group servants, leaders of 10. And it's going to require 200 million spiritual fathers, mothers, to take care of at least five new believers, to get them discipled, matured, and developed so when the enemy comes, they won't go back in the world. The thing that is common with all three of these, Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha, Esther, and Joshua, is all three of them were connected with the previous generation. The reason is because the older generation had something they needed. They, they had something they needed for them to be successful. And I want to talk about some of those tonight. Is that all right? The first thing that that previous generation, that, that fading generation, that senior generation need, had that this generation needed, they, they had courage. In Esther chapter 4, Esther says there, there's no way that I'm going in to see the king. There is no way that I am going to do this thing. But it was a Mordecai that stepped up and encouraged her. Spoke into her life, amen, and encouraged her to continue on. You, you can do this, girl. 
Come on. I know you can do it. You, you've got it. You can do this. And kept on encouraging her and telling her, you've been raised up for such a time as this. This is your hour. This is your moment. This is, can I tell you that the younger generation needs your encouragement? They need to hear you speak into their life and tell them, you can overcome. You can do this thing, man. You can do it. I know that you can. You've got it inside of you. It takes courage today to follow Jesus. It takes courage to pursue your dreams and what you feel in your heart there is to do. It takes courage. That's the reason why a lot of people don't do it. It's easier to sit on a pew and do nothing and hope Jesus comes and finds you in a place when he comes that, you know, you're ready to go. Right? But the reality is he didn't just save us so we could sit and soak, but he saved us to put something in us. He said he placed a treasure in these earthen vessels. And so therefore he's placed something inside of each and every one of us that we can accomplish, but it takes courage to do it. Esther was for such a time as this. She was born at the right time, placed in the right position. She was at everything aligned so that she could go into the kingdom and save her nation, but she didn't have enough courage to do it on her own. Amen. Jesus always makes it easy for people to leave. And hard to stay. He'd get in a crowd of people and tell them something like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, (laughs) you don't have no part of me. And then don't explain nothing. Just walk off and leave them. What am I saying? I'm telling you that it isn't always easy. But we need some people in the body tonight that will encourage one another. We need to practice encouragement. I said we need to practice encouragement. Amen. Because you see, you said, well, why would you say that? It sounds strange. But Jesus, it, it, it is because Jesus was maturing them. He was bringing them to a place. And, and, and we've got to understand, we've got to grow, mature, and develop until we understand that it's not always going to be easy to follow Christ. Amen. This fluffy gospel is going to fade away. Amen. This stuff of just, you know, you be happy, I'll be happy, and we'll all be happy. It ain't going to make you happy in the end. Amen. But you've got to know that, yes, there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some tests. There's going to be some difficulty. And that's the reason why we need to encourage one another in the Lord. Amen. Speak blessing over one another and tell another generation, hey, you know, a girl, I remember whenever I was your age and I was going through some things of my own. I know the day is different now, but let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Amen. Take that young boy aside and say, hey, son, I remember what it's like dealing with temptation. And I tell you, I know God gave me the strength to resist and God can do it for you too and encourage them when they fall to get back up again. Amen. I want to tell you, we've got to have a gift of encouragement to be transferred to the next generation and tell them you can do something great for God. Amen. 
one way that God releases encouragement is through spiritual mothers and fathers. Nestor had the ability to save a nation, but she didn't have the courage to save the nation. We must have spiritual fathers and mothers who will encourage this next generation to do great things for God. Amen. The second thing that the former generation has that the next generation needs is a transfer of wisdom. Joshua had to have wisdom to lead God's people out of a land of bondage. Do you know where he got that wisdom? Deuteronomy chapter 34, Moses is dying, but before he dies, he lays hands on another generation. And in verse 9, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. How come? For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. God said, I brought to pass in Joshua's generation what I started in Moses' generation. And I did it because there was a transfer of wisdom. Think about this. What would have happened if Moses had not transferred that wisdom to another generation? What might have happened if he would have said, buddy, I've worked hard as I can. And now it's just up to you. I got mine, you get yours. Right? But he, he, he was still, he might have been ready to step off of the scene, but he still had enough uh, about him that he knew if he did not transfer this wisdom to another generation, he understood, I didn't get where I am because I'm all of that in a bag of chips. He said, I know there's a spirit of wisdom upon me that this generation is going to need to go into the land of promise. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that there's a generation that has a spirit of wisdom them upon them that needs to desperately impart it into another generation. Amen. Don't settle and say it'll never happen. Don't be satisfied to say, well, I'm ready to fade out and go on, but know that God is about to continue the work that he has promised the previous generation in another generation. And they're going to need some wisdom to get there. He got wisdom from Moses, a previous generation. It's interesting that it says, it proves a point that that I've thought for a long time when I was looking at that again this week, and it said it was a spirit of wisdom. And it just stands the reason to me, if there is a spirit of wisdom, there must be a spirit of stupid. Because I've seen a spirit get on some people. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and get up under sound doctrine and teaching and then things go wrong and just the spirit of stupid, you know they wouldn't do those things on their own. Ah, that's enough. Amen. Spirit of wisdom needs to be transferred. And then the third thing is an understanding of long-term thinking. Long-term thinking. This generation, my generation, most of us in my generation don't think 
about anything but today. You ask them, what are you, where are you going to be in five years? They say, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. What, what's your plans for 10 years? What's your plans for 20? What's your goal in life? And they can't tell you. Because they don't think down the road. And that same thing has come over and carried over into our spiritual lives. And we pray for a week. And it doesn't happen. And we quit. We, we come to church faithful for, you know, six months a year. And, 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 and it doesn't work out the way we think. And we quit God. Amen. And, and we, we, we don't have long term thinking. You know, whenever you read the Bible, you know, we see people that are praying 40 years. Right. We, we see people that, that the vision, it, it, it tarried and, and not, they didn't even see it with their own eyes. But the next generation, God was faithful and brought it to pass. And we're talking about, well, we prayed for a year. We prayed for two years. We, uh, you've got to understand that you've got to be committed to this thing. Amen. You've got to be rooted and grounded in this thing and say, we're not going to put a limitation on God, but we're going to serve him with everything that is within us. Amen. And if we're going to pray today and if it don't happen today, we won't pray tomorrow. And if it don't happen in 10 years till G long as Jesus tarries, we're going to believe God for this thing to happen. Amen. And so we've got to have some long-term thinking that says it's not just about today. Amen. But we're what we're doing. We're not we're not investing in the kingdom, believing that tomorrow we'll get a harvest. I told somebody uh, today, I said, you don't just sow today and reap today. There's time between your seed and your harvest. There is a season, amen, of seed time and harvest. Amen. And there is a gap between them. And we have to understand long term. We're going to sow today and we may not reap tomorrow, but we are going to be faithful in our sowing because we know that if we put seed in the ground there will be a continual perpetual blessing coming into our lives. One of the greatest joys that you get in getting older and I don't count myself old but getting older I've come to a place now where that I am able to give others something that I had to fight to get. Things that, you know, uh, I don't claim to be anything, but God has put people in my life that look up to me for direction and help, and, and I'm humbled by that. But to be able to speak into their lives and tell them, if you'll listen, you won't have to go through what I went through to get here. <laughs> Hallelujah. The older generation has to be willing to give the younger generation what they have had. And the younger generation has to be willing to receive it. Amen. Now listen to me. I'm not, you got to take this in the spirit I'm saying it because I'm 
believing mom and dad's going to be around till Jesus comes, you know, 100,000 years, whatever. But one day, I'll get what they got. No. No, them girls done got all they going to get. You listening, Michelle? <laughs> all right. But it's called an inheritance, right? None of us looking and saying, oh, you know, go on, you know, bald head. We already dealt with that, right? Go on, old generation, because the bears will come out and get you. Amen? But it's just the natural process of what is left over from one generation flows down to the next generation. And so what my parents have worked hard for, I receive without labor. It just comes into my life. I didn't fight for it. I didn't work for it. I didn't labor for it. I inherited it. Amen. And we don't have to feel bad about that. But now it becomes my responsibility to steward and to take further everything that has been graciously given to me. Take it to another level. Take it to another place. Steward that well and do more with it. Amen. I might not have authority over the, uh, you know, the family business now, but it shows to speak. But if I know the business is coming to me, are you with me? I, I, if I know the business is coming to me at some point, then I, I'm going to do all that I can do to make sure the family business flourishes. It grows. It, it does the best that it can because someday, amen, uh, I want it to be successful because someday my father's going to bless me with it. Amen. Spiritual fathers give wisdom. They give revelation. They give impartation to the next generation. Listen to me. Hear me. If you don't hear nothing else I said tonight, listen to this. The power of mentorship is this. It's your spiritual father or mother can impart unto you in five days what it took them a lifetime to learn. That's the reason I don't mind spending $20 for a book. Because I just bought somebody's life. I just got into me, uh, downloaded into me in just a few hours of reading what it took them a lifetime to learn. Are you hearing me tonight? And so that's the power of, of mentorship. Whenever you'll sit under mentorship, when you will commit yourself and say, I'll be mentored by you, you can save yourself the headache, the trouble, the disappointment, and even the failure of a whole generation, a whole lifetime, and bring you into a place that will set you up to go further than the past generation ever went. Amen. Fourth thing that this generation needs handed down to them is confidence. Your confidence is rooted in your identity. And when you don't know who you are, you cannot be confident. Your identity comes from your father naming his sons and his daughters. And if your father and your mother don't name you and tell you who you are, You'll not have that identity. And if you don't have that identity, you'll never be rooted. And if you're not rooted, you'll not have confidence to do what God has called you to do. 
If we don't name them, somebody will. If we don't give them identity, somebody will tell them you're a drug dealer. You're a dopehead. You're an alcoholic. Huh? You're this, you're that. And we, this generation, needs to lay our hands upon the next generation and tell them you are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty woman of God. There is nothing that you cannot do. I call you blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. I call you blessed and speak blessing over their life and cause them to find their identity in Christ. And in that identity, they find confidence. And in that confidence, they can fulfill everything that God has ordained for them to be. Number five, this generation needs handed down to it a covering. Everyone needs a covering. Everyone needs a covering. You realize statistics tell us that, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, it's high. It's 85, 90% of ministers say they don't have one single person they can talk to if in times of trouble, in times of temptation, in times of battle they have nobody they can talk to you know why because generational gaps have been broke there always should be somebody ahead of you you should always have somebody beside of you and there ought to be somebody you're reaching back behind and bringing ahead and if you don't have that then you're going to be out of balance amen Because it's the balance of having accountability, the balance of standing together in ministry, and the balance of being a mentor to somebody else in the next generation and bringing them to head. It is that that strain, that pull on either side that will cause you to stay in the balanced place and do what God has called you to do. And we need covering today. Be willing to walk with this next generation. Be willing... To say, you're not going to have to walk alone. You know, one of the favorite stories in the Bible is the, the story of the prodigal son, right? You remember reading that story and that prodigal son, the Bible said when he, the father seen him afar off, what did he do? He went running to where he was. Amen. And he walked back into the house with him. He said, I'm your covering. I know you were lost. I know you did this. I know you did that. But I'm not going to allow you to bear the humiliation. I'm not going to let you walk back here by yourself. But I'm going to walk back here with you. I'm going to be your covering. Amen. Paul tells Timothy, I'm praying for you, Timothy, that your faith fail you not. Amen. He walks with him. Mordecai covers Esther with prayer and covers her with direction. God told Moses to stand with Joshua to strengthen, command, and encourage. Amen. Joshua, God is Moses. Go tell Joshua to to strengthen him, command him, and encourage him. God gives grace to those who are humble. And we will humble ourselves and we will come up under covering. There will be a blessing for us. Amen. Malachi tells us that the hearts of the fathers must be returned to the sons. 
and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. But notice there must be a return of the father's heart to the sons before there will be a return of the heart of the sons to the fathers. I'm about to close tonight. We have misjudged this generation. I say we. We have misjudged this generation. They have developed a defense mechanism that they feel they need to exist. They need a mom, they need a dad, but they haven't had it. So they've developed this defense mechanism that said, I don't need a dad. I don't need a mom. So they can make it. So they can get by. Are you with me? And what they have done is they've shut that down and they said, we don't need another generation. We don't need somebody telling us how to do a thing. And so this generation has developed this mechanism so that they can exist, so they can get by. And now they've brought that into the church. And they say, we don't need God. We don't need nobody to tell us what to do. We don't need a father. We don't need a mother. We don't need you. We can do this on our own. And all the while, the enemy is destroying a generation. A generation that is not only anti-Christ, but are quick to tell you, I don't believe in God. Quick to tell you there isn't no God. I'm God. They're shut down because they don't have a dad. They don't have a father. They don't have a mother. And they've blocked that off. But you see, the picture we need to see is that of Elijah raising up a spiritual son by the name of Elisha. Elijah split the waters so they could go across. But Elisha comes and heals the waters so that a nation can be healed, the land can be healed. And I'm telling you tonight that God wants to connect generations so not only what had to be split in days past there can now be an anointing to bring healing to that and what has been disconnected can be reconnected so that we can do what God has called us to do we can be connected and bring healing to our land we can be disconnected and be devoured by the bears I want to bring healing don't you I want to bring healing. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, I pray that you would bring us to a place that we would not only tolerate, but we would celebrate generations. We would understand, God, that we need each other so desperately. 
to fulfill the purpose and the mandate that is upon this last day church. And I pray, Father God, that you would bind us together, that you would bring us into a spirit of unity. And God, what this generation so desperately needs, let there be a transfer from the generations ahead of us that we may be able to run with the strength and fulfill and be all and do all and accomplish all that you've ordained for us to do. Father, we give you the praise and the thanks for this tonight. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I wonder tonight, maybe you're here this evening and you say, you know what, Pastor Brian, I, I just need that encouragement. I need that covering. I need that strength. Maybe there's an area that the Lord has spoke to you in tonight. You just say, I want, want that for my life, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has been touching you about here in this service tonight. And you just say yes to the anointing, yes to the presence of God. Amen. In this place, if, that, if, if the Holy Spirit's touching you and just say, you just want to say yes to it tonight. I want you to come and just stand here tonight. I want to come into agreement with you and believe God. Amen. For whatever you need in your life that the generations will come together and we'll see everything fulfilled that God has ordained for us. Will you do that? Come on tonight. I just want that confirmation. I just want that affirmation. I just want that covering. Praise God over my life. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Anybody else tonight? Praise God. Praise God. just another moment. Praise God. 